Yeah, we just want to just welcome you all to, to London, those of you that are visiting. It's so great to have you all here um, with us. It, it means so much to us to see uh, believers that we know and love spilling out onto the streets of London. It just it, it stirs our heart, and I don't think any of us had, were quite aware of just how thrilling it, it would be just uh, when we gathered yesterday and just to see that and to know what's going on in here. Um, right on our patch has been privileged. So I just want to welcome you and thank you for being with us and um, for journeying down, for, you know, for sorting out accommodation and organising stuff. It's just absolutely excellent to have you with us. So thank you so much. You're so, so welcome. I thought it would be interesting to just ask a quick question before we get into the preaching. Who's in roughly the same seat as last night? Oh, that's pretty radical, actually. Give it, let's give ourselves a round of applause for being... Pretty, pretty radical there. I'm afraid I couldn't have put my own hand up. <laughs> All right, so uh, if you want to turn to the Gospel of John, and uh, I'm going to just give a couple of other scriptures just to get us in the right place before we dig into uh, the story in John chapter 11 of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Just a few uh, other scriptures as I was um, preparing, or should I say trying to prepare in the run-up to this conference um, one of the scriptures that, that, that I was looking at was um, where Paul says to the Philippians, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Listen to this. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. To write the same things, to repeat myself to you is no trouble for me and it's safe for you. And if you find that throughout this conference people are saying the same thing, and you think, I'm sure someone said something similar to that last night or yesterday or as it goes on in the blur of whatever day it was that it happened. Let us just assure you, it's no trouble for us. <laughs> it's no trouble for us to say the same things, but it's safe for you. It's safe for you. There's something of an apostolic strategy, if you like, in teaching is repetition. In the New Testament, there's these phrases like, we just want to stir you up by way of reminder because we just need to keep hearing the gospel. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we constantly need to be feasting on Jesus Christ. He is, the, he is the milk and He is the meat. We never move beyond Jesus, okay? But He is the milk and He is, the, he is our nourishment. He is the bread that came down from heaven. And we preach Christ Jesus. And we will preach Christ Jesus until the day He returns or we go to glory. Amen? So we're going to say the same things and keep saying them. And they'll get deeper and deeper into us. And, and, and we'll impact in layer upon layer upon who we are and we find that we're being changed into his image more and more by his grace and by the washing of the word. Um, what is courage? Courage is following Jesus. It's following Jesus. It's what we're going to look at today. Um, because Jesus is so courageous. And he takes us to places that require courage. He's so daring. He's so, he's so ahead of the game. And he takes us to places which require courage. And so courage is following Jesus, but just to make sure we all got the foundation right before we get into the story. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. As we engage with this idea of courage and what's going to be required of us, we must never ever move away from this wonderful truth that the reason why we came to Jesus is because the Father drew us. It's all the work of God from beginning to end, amen. We never ever move from that place as we grapple with the realities of of, of taking courage and, and bold steps and all of this stuff, the foundation that we stand on and that keeps us safe is the grace of God, is the mighty grace of God from beginning to end. 
The Jews asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God? What did Jesus say? This is the work of God. Believe on him whom he has sent. You want to do great things for God? Believe in Jesus. You want to do greater things for God? Believe in Jesus more deeply. You, you don't get beyond that. We, the way we use the word belief in our sort of part of the world, it, it, we can get it a bit wrong. It can just be like, uh, agree to some facts. That's part of it. You've gotta, you've gotta, you, there's a body of doctrine. That's part of it. But it's so much deeper and bigger than that. It's where you lean on it. It's where you trust. This is the work of God. Trust in him whom he has sent. What, is, what, what does God look for in us? Just faith in Jesus. And the deeper your faith and your roots go into Jesus, the more of the, the, more of the good stuff comes out. We can't just whip ourselves up into being courageous. You can whip yourself up into feeling courageous at a conference. You can do that. But to really be courageous out there requires a very deep work of God. You've got to know you're so loved. You've got to know he's for you. You've got to know he's good. You've got to know you can trust him. You have to know it so deeply. You have to know it when, when, when the fanatic in the attic is on his worst behavior. Didn't you love that? You've got to know you can trust him. And so I want to look at what Jesus is like in this story in John. And, um, and, and the response of the disciples in this story. Um, I love the interaction between Jesus and his disciples. It's so refreshing. It's so encouraging. It's like, ah, oh, okay, maybe I'm a disciple after all. Maybe I'm not a pretender, you know. Uh, they're so, so similar to us. Let's start. We're gonna just, I'm going to read a bit, preach, read a bit, preach. Let's, Rome, uh, John chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. The implication there is that some do. It's not explicit, but the strong implication there is that some do. And it's ever so important as we pursue the Lord for healing and miracles and breakthrough that we, we walk closely in discerning, Lord, what are you doing here? Lord, what's happening here? So that we become a people who have amazing testimonies of extraordinary healing, but also people who know how to die well and know how to say goodbye well. This illness does not lead to death, this one. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, this is, listen to this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, and what would you put next? <laughs> now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I need, to, I need, what does the Greek say? I need a scholar on this one. Has this been translated correctly? Jesus loved, so Lazarus is ill. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two days longer. So means therefore, you know, therefore, when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two days longer. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in that position well, you, you send word to Jesus. 
just like they did. You send word to Jesus knowing that he loves you. Uh, and then you wonder what's taking him so long. Anyone ever experienced that? You say, I've sent word to you, Lord, and I know that you love me. It seems like since you, got, since you heard what was going on, things have gone really quiet. <laughs> Is it just me? Things have gone really quiet now. Um, two days. This, this is very, very surprising. You see, there's something, there's something a little bit, how can I put it that sounds godly? There's something, <laughs> something a little bit distressing about knowing Jesus. Because when you meet him, you know he's got all the power. You know he's got all the authority. You know he's got all the glory. And so your whole existence is completely transformed because now this one lives in you and you know him and he's made all these promises to you. And you, your whole existence changes. You are transformed into a new creation, one within whom the power of omnipotence is at work. I mean, it's extraordinary. And, and you start to say, Lord, I know what you can do now. And you know because you know because you know because the Holy Spirit has taught you in the depths of your heart that this is who he is. And you can't get away from it even if you want to. And so you're brought to this place where you believe God for extraordinary things. And then sometimes you pray and you pray in faith and you say, Lord, you send word to Jesus and the whole thing seems to come to a grinding halt. And you go, Lord, what's going on here? Lord, I don't understand this. It's fascinating that John would write, he loved them, so he stayed two days. You see, the first point I want to make is this, is that Jesus is love. He is love. But what does courage look like? Courage looks like submitting to his schedule. Commit, submitting to the sovereign schedule of God. He knows what he's doing and he's love. Being able to live in that place of, of waiting. Psalm 31. Take, take courage. Those who wait on the Lord, take courage, be of good heart. There is something in waiting that, that requires courage and that grows courage. And where, just like it says in Romans chapter 4, that as Abraham waited for the fulfillment of the promise, he didn't waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in faith. The process of waiting put something in him. That God has a sovereign schedule. Do you believe that? How deeply do you believe that? Only one of you said yes, it's not looking good. So I'm asking you, whoever said that? The rest don't even believe it. But those of you who said yes, do you, how deeply do you believe that? This is massive. It's massive because so much hangs on timing. We'll look, at, we'll look at the simple reality that we have to take action day to day on a later point. But for now, there is a timing with God. Do you know that? Everything's on schedule. Did you understand that? Do you know that? Are you at peace with that? Are you living in a place where you are at peace with that? I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it is divine truth. And we have to engage with it on such a deep level. We really do because the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And sometimes the things that you long for, when they, they don't quite happen in the way or the timing, you expect, if, if you're not deeply convinced of the goodness and the love of Christ towards you and the wisdom of his timing, your heart can get sick. And we, we don't want that for you. We want to keep you from that. We want to guard ourselves from that. All of us know the reality of the temptation that can happen. And in this age, you know, it's a bit of a battle. And things happen that we didn't expect. And so we have to be in this place where we say, Jesus, 
there's some sort of delay going on because you love me. Does that make sense? Is this a good silence or a bad silence? Is this a good silence? There's some sort of delay going on because you love me. That's courage. Let's read on. Verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now, Jesus hadn't been there for a while because he was a wanted man by this stage. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble, but he sees because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. You know these moments where the disciples ask Jesus a perfectly reasonable question and he says something really cryptic back. You know those moments you think, we didn't say that. You know, we didn't say that, Jesus. We were just saying that the people are after you, so let's not go there. You know, it's not the answer to the question. Jesus is on another level. Jesus is, Jesus is he's not, his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher, you know. Uh, only by the revelation of the Holy Spirit do we understand what Jesus is saying. But it's such a deep truth in here because very often we think the danger is around the where, you know, or, or around the what. In the sense that we, we think, oh, you know, to, don't live in London, you might get your bag snatched, hey, Gene. You know what I mean? Do you, you, <laughs> don't do that. You don't live in London. Or if you live in London, how would you possibly afford it? It's, it's dangerous. You know, what, what could happen to our financial security? If you live in Mozambique, what, what could end up there? What happens if you get hurt? What about your health care? What, what, what happens if we go? Where, where's it going to go? What if we move on to that estate because we want to reach those people? What does that lifestyle look like? And will it, be, will it be too unfamiliar to us? How will we deal with that? We can, we can get into that mindset where we think that's what the dangers are really about. Or, or it can be like, even to do with different places where God might take us. What, what does it mean to hang around with the, with the bright and the beautiful? Maybe part of God's calling on your life is you're kind of walking in those circles. You're with the bright and the beautiful. And you're like, Lord, show me how to do this well. Show me how to be your fragrance. So it just feels really dangerous here. Or maybe you're with the hardened and the criminal. And you're thinking, I don't know, Lord, this feels, I'm way out of my comfort zone. Or, you know, you, there's so many things where we think there's the danger there, the where, the what. And Jesus says, no, those things aren't really the danger. The danger is when you walk in the darkness. That's the danger. If you walk in the darkness, that is, that is a, that's, you don't want to be, you can't see what you're doing. Walk in the light, you know what you're about, regardless of where you are, regardless of who you're with. If you're walking in the light, you can see where you're going. You see, it's a wonderful, you think, oh Jesus, you did answer the question. Okay, my bad. Always my bad, actually. You ever noticed that? It's always, with Jesus, it's always my bad. It's never his. He's perfect. You, got, you, get, you used to say, my bad, if you're a disciple. It's walking in the light. Now, I want to just say two things on this quickly. What is walking in the light? Essentially, it's just staying close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. I'm sure I've heard that before. Yeah, you have. It's of no trouble to us to say that again, and it's safe for you. Stay close to Jesus. Learn to walk closely with him. But there's also this, this when, when John uses the, in his epistle, when he, in, in the letter, he talks about it. You can see that he's talking, he's developing the idea to walk in the light. And it's not just walking close with God. It's also being open about your struggles and about your sins. He says, first of all, don't bother denying. Don't deny you haven't got sin. Anyone who says they haven't got sin, they're a liar. The truth's not in them. We've all got sin. Just don't hide it. Learn to confess. Learn to keep short accounts with God. Learn to confess 
appropriately with brothers or sisters, walk in the light because then you won't stumble in the darkness. When you start hiding and keeping things covered over, this is so basic, but it's massive. It's massive. No one who has a huge fall or a huge implosion just does it like that. It's the result of an accumulation of hiding and not speaking the truth in love. And not, it's, it's an accumulation of decisions that have been dark and hidden. And then suddenly the moment comes, everyone goes, well, what happened there? How did that happen? It was such a small thing. No, that was just the last straw. And so just learning to live vulnerably and honestly, that's walking in the light, honest with God, honest with brothers and sisters. It's so, it's so, so important. So walk in the light, Jesus says, then, then, then you're safe. Then you, wherever he calls you, there's a, there's a safety that you're walking in, in that regard. So Jesus says, no, come on, we can do this. Verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, <laughs> this is great. There's so much misunderstanding, isn't there, constantly with Jesus and the disciples. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to go and wake him up. The disciples said, well, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. <laughs> now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. But... Let us go to him. So I love Thomas, Thomas says. So Thomas called the twin. He said to his fellow disciples, well, let's also go that we might die with him. <laughs> it's great. You want Thomas in the gang, don't you? You know, Thomas, just, I want guys. We're all going to die. Okay. High five, you know. It's great. So, now, listen, so, it, it, there is a risk at this point. Jesus says, right, we're moving out. We're moving on out now. We're breaking camp. Let's go. We're going. And they're going, they're going into a hostile situation. So here's where, so, you know, you know point, point number one, courage is submitting to God's sovereign schedule. Number two, courage is walking in the light. Number three, courage is embracing risk. You've heard it already. You're going to hear it again. It's safe for you to hear it many times. Courage is embracing risk. There's something where you go, okay, I'll embrace it. it and even if you're a bit, a bit of a Thomas in it, you know, God will still see you through. Even if you're sort of mumbling and muttering on the way. You know, there was two sons, wasn't there, Jesus? There was two sons. And the father asked them to do something. One of them said, yeah, I'm, I'm there, absolutely, yeah, you got it. Didn't do it. The other one said, no, and did it. Which one was obedient? The latter. So it, it, at the end of the day, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. It's action, as we heard last night. Embracing risk. When that move on out moment comes, when, when there's that time to... To, to, to break camp in whatever way. It could be career-wise. God opens up something new. It could be location-wise. You think, what, you, what do you need is this. You need a clear eye to the leadership of Christ. Just Jesus, what you're doing here. That's really what you need. It's, um, it, for some people, it's kind of like it, it, it's stepping out of obscurity. For some people, it's entering a season of obscurity. Because we're going to hide you for a while. Put you in the quiver, get you sharp, get you ready. From others, it's time now. You're, you know, you're, God raises you up at the proper time. For some people, it's, it's, it's walking into a season of financial risk. It's that, it's that rich young ruler moment. It's that give it all away. You know, God still says that to people today. Give it all away. Okay? We mustn't just, oh, it's just a, you know, no, he does say that to some people. Sometimes it's that moment, doing something really radical. Sometimes it's, doing, it's, it's getting a normal job. You know, because you get other people, they're always, they're always, the Lord's always telling them to give everything away. And at the end of the day, you go, hmm, I'm not sure about you anymore. You said this five or six times. I just don't think you want to, you know, you're just scared of normality. You know, there's just, people are, people are tricky. So, you know, there's this, what is it? Sometimes the Lord takes you there. Sometimes the Lord takes you there. 
But essentially, there is this element where Thomas is right, where Jesus is saying, come die with me. Come die with me. It is true. It's really, really true. And courage, courage is saying, all right. And this is a lesson I've had to learn time and time again. So I guess to an extent, maybe even daily. Jesus said it. He said, every day, if you're going to follow me, you need to pick up your cross and die to yourself. Every day you say no to something in order to follow Jesus, big or small. And there's seasons where it's really tough, other times where you feel like you're in a spacious place. But there's always just the element where you say no to yourself on certain things. Jesus says, well, we're going this way, it's going to require some death. Without that, there is no resurrection. When you embrace it, resurrection is guaranteed. So the, 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 the full, joyful Christian life that so many sort of long for and say, I want to know, I want to know, why can't I know that joy, that abandon? Sometimes it's because there's a resistance to the, that, that death to self. Because there's a fear that if I die to that and really trust Jesus full on, what will happen? I'll tell you what will happen. Resurrection will happen. He will raise you up. And, it will, and what he will do with you will be way more wonderful than what you could ever have done with yourself. What you could ever have managed or orchestrated or manipulated and, and made happen. What he will do, it will be the real thing and it will be glorious and it will smell of new life. And so courage is saying, do you know what, Lord, where, where, are you, where are you taking me? I'm going. Embracing risk. So on they go into the story. Verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's got a good theology, Martha. She's right. I, I'm, yep, I'm, I'm here. I know what's going to happen, Lord. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. Now, this is a very important point. Jesus interrupts her sound theology lesson, her creedal statement, and says, look at me, I'm here, and I'm here now. There's action now. He will not allow us to stay in theory and simply sound theology. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's good, but it's not enough. Jesus says, no, no, I'm, I'm here now, and I am the resurrection of life. We're going to do this now. And courage is having faith for now. You have to be able to say now. You have to be able to say, this is what God is doing now. This is, what, this is the promises and dreams God has spoken. This is where I'm being patient, waiting. But this is what I am believing Jesus for now. This is where I am engaging with him. This is now where I am looking to him to move in power now. If you, can't, if, if, if you constantly keep putting it ahead, it becomes unreality. You move into a different realm and you think, how did I get here? You're singing the songs and you don't feel real anymore because you're not embracing that place, that place of courage where you say, Jesus, what, what's happening today? I mean, this has been, this has been a, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I feel, yeah, I can just share some things personally for a couple of minutes on this where 
I'll be honest, in the last little while, I've been just, been, you know, you ever get the seasons where you get really fed up with yourself? Do you ever have those? Kind of bored with yourself? Frustrated? You just think, you know, it's just me. I'm a bit of a Thomas, I'll admit it, right? But I get, I get, I just think, like, I'm sure you, I'm sure, I'm sure you promised more. My life doesn't, yeah, anyone? No, just me. Okay, just me. I feel really bad now, guys. That comparison thing, I'll be doing it. I won't be able to catch anyone in the eye. I'll be walking down the corridor like that. I know some of you do sometimes. And I said, Lord, I don't really have an answer. And I know there's more. And I know you've got the answer. And so I just had a couple of conversations with Mike. Oh, no, I was around a couple of conversations with Mike. He didn't even know because it wasn't direct. But he kept talking about praying in tongues. He loves praying in tongues, Mike. Um, I love it too, but obviously not as much as him. <laughs> and I got provoked by the conversation, and I'm thinking, I need to be praying in tongues more. I've got this gift, and I'm essentially neglecting it. I'm not neglecting it, but essentially, you know? You know, what is it with the gift of tongues? It's like someone wrote a book that said, this is to, you can only whisper, and 10 seconds after praying in your native tongue, then that's it, no more, no more after that. <laughs> it's like, how to, how to underutilize a wonderful gift. And I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to just, just try and make it my business as I'm going to just, going to just use this gift. Because frankly, Lord, my stories are getting old. And I, I, I'm dissatisfied. You know the feeling? I'm dissatisfied. I want more and I can't solve it because you're the answer. I, need to, I want to walk closer with you. What do I, what, what, what do, I do? So I'm just going to pray. <laughs> you know, wow, I've heard that before somewhere. You know, I'm just going to pray. And, you know, I've just found that the Lord has done things that I couldn't have done. Do you know what I mean? You think, wow, I was in the right place at the right... Something just happened there. Just things that you think, this is... Just, wow, thank you, Lord. Stuff that hasn't happened for a while. Like, just amazing. I went to, I went to get my courage haircut yesterday. And um, <laughs> I know, you're, yeah, I know, you're thinking it, you're thinking it. Yeah, yeah. Is that James? Thanks, James. Um, uh, and... I'm getting, I'm getting cut by this Kurdish fellow having a nice conversation. And he says, he says oh, yes, I used to be a Muslim. Then I tried Christianity and now I, now I just worship this, meaning money in his pocket. So what an opp- just opportunity. I said, Jesus, Jesus changed my life. He burst out laughing. Not in a mocking. He just literally thought it was a hilarious thing. And I've never had anyone respond quite like that. So I'm sitting in the chair. <laughs> He's just laughing. Like, it wasn't horrible. He, was just, he thought it was really funny. So I thought, wow. This wasn't the end of the story, guys. Hang in there. So, <laughs> so I, I said, I've never had anyone re- react like that before. He said, hold on. He said, hold on a minute. And then he called this other guy that was waiting for a haircut. He said, you. He said, you come over here. You sit in this chair. So he sat the other guy down. He said, you're a Muslim, right? The guy said, yeah. So then he turned around. He faced us both. And he said, he said, you, pointing to the Muslim, why is it that you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe in Muhammad? Just came for a haircut, mate. Do you know what I'm, I just came, just came for a haircut. Well, probably 30 to 45 minutes later, he's agreed to read John. I'm going to read a chunk of the Quran. He's got my number. We're going to get together and talk. I mean, that's just the grace of God. But it's just saying, Lord, I'm bored. I'm bored of myself. But I'm meant to be like a leader. It's embarrassing. Please do something. Do you know that feeling? It's just me. 
Look, just pray in tongues. Another one. This I told, sorry, Reverend, can I do that other one I told you the other day again? That was cracking, wasn't it? So I was having a, having a pastoral. <laughs> Shut up. I was having a, a, a meeting the other day somewhere, and then I went to the toilet and um, washing my hands. Washing my hands. Door opens. Guy walks in. And it, 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 it was like, it's like catching butterflies. But it was, it's a big calling, big calling on that man's life. Just whoo. I haven't heard that sort of word of knowledge like that for a while. So I thought, what do I do? I think I'll just stand outside the toilet, <laughs> wait for him to come out. So I stood outside, and when he came out, I said, uh, excuse me, mate. I said, uh, no. I said, are you a believer? I mean, I didn't know what to say. So I'm like, are you a believer? He said, um, did, did I say that? What did I say? Hold on a minute. No, I said, yeah. I said, are you a believer? And he said, um, yeah. He said, believer in what? I said, Christ. He said, why? What's the next question? I said, well, I was washing my hands in the toilet, and when you walked in, I just, felt, I just felt the Lord say that there's a really big calling on your life. I didn't know what else to say. I just what the Lord said. And this is the point here, you see. He knows. The Lord knows. Right? So I'm not going to add to it and make it sound flowery. I, I'd say, he gave me something. I'd say that. It, it might, you know, because he, he knows. I said, there's a big calling on your life. He said, well, that's an amazing thing. He said, I'm a Hindu, but today I was having a conversation about Christ and calling. I mean, seriously, he said, and I was try, trying to work out how people get this calling. He said, what do you think that was? I said, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, he gave me his email address and started contact with him. But you think, Lord, I'm trying to anchor into the story, what was the point? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lazarus, did, Lazarus did similar things. No, no, no. Um, I'm joking. Uh, I don't know. What was it about? Action now. Now. There it is. There it is. So, thank you. So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, like, if you feel like, you know, you, that, ah, that's the Holy, that's the, that's the groaning. The Bible talks about where you go, oh, man, I know there's more. And you can never fully contain it till you get your house, your new body. But there's the, the groaning now, it can, it can lead to breakthrough. And just you take you to a season where you're kind of in a, you feel, oh, this bit feels a bit fresher now, you know? And I just want to encourage us, let's be looking to him now, because good theology is great, but there's more. He wants to show that he is the resurrection and the life among us. So it's very important. Okay, time is running out. Verses carry on with the story if you haven't got to the actual miracle yet. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so verse, 20, verse 28. Um, oh, man. This is is just beautiful. So when she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher's here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. She said, to her, she said what her sister had said. She said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how we loved him. 
Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? I want to talk about the courage to cry for just a few minutes. The courage to really cry. As I said earlier, there's something that is difficult about knowing Jesus because you're brought into a realm of supernatural omnipotence and all of that and it's extraordinary and you're undone and you're essentially ruined for anything else, right? You're essentially ruined because you found the truth. You can't pretend you haven't. You know the truth. So you're in a, you're in a bit of a corner on one level. You know, you're like, well, where else do we go? As Peter said, you've got the words to eternal life. You're in this place of being undone. Everything gets reimagined and words like redemption and restoration, they become part of our staple diet. But this can also make it quite painful when things don't work out. And when, when, it, when the, the disappointments come or the pain comes. And I just want to say, like, what, what do we do then? Well, I want to suggest that we cry. I want to suggest that we actually learn how to express sadness and disappointment in a healthy way. You think, well, what's Jesus going to do if I do that? You know what he's going to do? He's probably going to cry with you. That's what he did. He's probably going to cry with you. And the thing is, the, 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 the thing is, sometimes we're so obsessed with miracles and all the rest of it. The, the, the irony of it all is that Jesus is just about to do the miracle. You think, Jesus, you know, why are you crying? <laughs> do you know what I mean? You can fix this. You can just fix this now. What? Come on, just. Just go, ba-da, you know, they'll soon stop. Do you see the lot, yeah? Jesus is, but no, 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 you see, he's actually touched by it. He's moved by it. He's touched by human frailty. And he, in that, he's just deeply moved and it, he's around it and, he's, and it matters to him. And, and this is so, so important. That, that th- there are certain things in life, difficulties, tragedies, unexplainable things, disappointments that are not to be bypassed. That you don't, don't just find 10 positive scriptures and shout them at the sky. Cry for goodness sake. Actually engage with the Lord. Allow, allow, allow him to come alongside and comfort you because he knows how to do that. The Bible says that your tears are kept in a bottle. What a wonderful idea. He's actually bothered by it. He understands loss. And so we've got to become those people that we're pressing on for miracles. We want to see all the gifts of the Spirit manifest. Amen, amen, and amen again. But we also, you know, recognize, you know, that, that, that we're, not this, you're not, we're not over the line yet. <laughs> we live in mystery. Things happen. There's warfare. There's, there's, there's unanswered things, mysteries, and all of that. And so we become a, a, a mature people that are able to press through for victory, but also recognize we're just jars of clay. I've been struck by this thought that no matter how mature we get, we're still jars of clay. And I, it's been a real revelation to me because I've found that certain people that I have always, you know, certain people that you just look up to, you just, you kind of look upon them because they're more mature than you or they've, they've had been a really good person in your life. And, and, but sometimes I think we kind of, in an unhelpful way, we sort of assume they've moved beyond the jar of clay. You know, no, no, no. No matter how spiritually mature you get, in this age, we're still jars of clay. And to just be able to acknowledge that in one another means we're able to help each other and be tender and compassionate with one another and be patient with one another and bear with one another while we're, while we're on the road to glory and breakthrough.
and come alongside and console one another and, and, and be, be strength and have one another's backs. Amen. Fine, final thing, I think. Um, then Jesus deeply moved again. It's that word there, it's like, um, it's like a, the word used, um, I think it's this word, where a, a, a horse would snort in kind of battle. So this, Jesus, is, Jesus is troubled by death. Doesn't like it. Enemy, ancient enemy, final enemy. Jesus deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Now just imagine your Martha or Mary at this point. Like this isn't just awkward. This is deeply distressing. Right, this is, he's been in there four days. Martha said, there'll be an odour. I don't want to smell the decaying body of my brother. Please, don't make me do this. Jesus said to her, because he's trying to say now, didn't I tell you? He's trying to say, look, I want my words to get into you deeper. So he's saying this, didn't I tell you, if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So at that point, Martha, Martha gives a nod. You know, that, what, what a woman. What a woman. Martha and Mary probably lock eyes at that point and they go, hold their breath, give the nod. Get a few people over to get the stone out of the way. You're just thinking, this, what? I do believe, help my unbelief on those moments, you know. I do believe the Lord. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you, you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he'd said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. What a moment. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Now, all I want to just say on this before we, before we wrap things up is that um, this is the moment where courage is to do what is required of you. <laughs> In this moment, it was move the stone. So we had the moment before where Mary Martha gives a theological statement. Jesus says, no, no, I'm the resurrection of life. She's like, okay, I believe. Now it gets moved to the level of action. Move the stone. But courage is when we go, all right, Lord, I'm in. Could be around money. Give in. All right, Lord, I submit to you. I've not been playing it straight. I've not been being generous. I've not been committed to giving. All right, Lord, it's that moment where you go, okay, you make the decision. In our part of the world, we tend to think once, you, once you've written the, down the spiritual lesson in your notebook, you've learnt it. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> To really learn it, you've got to do it. How do you learn to pray? Pray. How do you learn to witness? Witness. That's how you learn. That's, how, that's when it gets into you. And so the courage to do what is required of us. That's the principle. Jesus does the amazing stuff, but something is required of us. <laughs> so Jesus did the Lazarus, wow, but something was required. Remove the stone. You find Jesus does that. You know, you feed them, sit them, sit them down in groups, you dish out the food. Jesus, Jesus multiplied the food, but he got them involved. There is a part that we play that if we won't engage with, the miracle may not come to completion. Because his way is, come on, let's, we, we are, are co-laboring. But Lord, you're doing all the, you're the really special stuff. Yeah, but we're, we're co-laboring. Come on, move the stone. I want to encourage us to do what is required as God's leading.
And then this final little point here. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus had brought him to life, but the man is still covered in the stuff of death. Still covered in the old. So Jesus says, you're going to have to get involved in that little mess over there so he, so he can walk in his new life. And it's the courage to get involved in the mess. It's a messy business, the kingdom. Because it's, it's people. It's people. And we've, we've been messed up big time, haven't we? It's just me. Don't you dare go quiet again on me, honest. I know my Bible. I know what the Bible says. We're all in a bit of a pickle. All fallen short of the glory of God. All walking out of stuff still. All still battling with evil desires and indwelling sin and learning how to crucify the flesh. We're all in the same boat. I mean, people get saved. It's just the beginning of the story. Hallelujah. They are born again. They are justified. They know where they're going to be for eternity. But it's just the start of their journey to transformation. And it can be messy. It's the courage to say, I'm willing to get involved. All right, okay. I'm going to help you walk out of the stuff of the old and the stuff of death. Amen? Amen. Should we respond to the Lord? All right. Stand up while I think what we should do. <laughs> you know, it, it's a special thing to be able to preach in this atmosphere because I don't. When we're worshiping, the sense of the of the glory and the nearness of God is just wonderful, isn't it? And uh, it's, you guys can come up; it'd be great. But it's such a privilege and an honor to be able to speak. You just kind of feel like. Man, God's really coming close to us. And um, I don't think it will be hard for us at all to respond because essentially we're just going to do what we were doing before the sermon, but in light of the sermon. Amen? So why don't just take a moment and we'll just see what, whether, there's, whether there's anything that I think the Holy Spirit particularly wants to um, highlight in terms of from the message. Or Oh yeah, I did feel the Lord gave me a word actually when I was preparing. Um, was I felt like uh, there's some, a few people here, and you've, you've come a bit late to the party in that sense. It's like you've come late to the party, but I feel the Lord wants to say to you, you've got a big contribution to make. Right? So some of you, you're here, and you kind of feel like you're a little bit late to the party. You feel like there's a journey these people have been on, and I don't feel like I've really done the journey. But I just feel it's just preparing, I don't know when it was, yesterday, the day before. But for the, the Lord, just drop it in that, that you've got, actually you've got a lot to contribute. And so I just want if that's, you know, just wanting to throw that out there. It's not connected to the sermon in any way, but I just remembered that the Lord um, put it in my heart. So just to encourage you, you know, if, if, if the Holy Spirit kind of goes, ah, yeah, that, that's for you. But let's just have a moment to um, let's just allow this, this, the, the, the story of, in the gospel we've just been exposed to, to, for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would um, just pray that you quicken people's hearts with the elements, Lord, that, that, that they need, these, these, these elements of courage, Lord. We're, we're so grateful to you, Lord. We, we just recognize that we are utterly dependent on you. But Lord, whether it's to submit to your sovereign schedule for some people, just to be able to say, I'm not going to let my heart get sick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the, Lord's, the Lord sometimes delays because he loves me. Do you know why? Because he makes everything beautiful when it's time. Some of you, the courage to walk in the light, maybe you're just hiding stuff because you're scared. If I bring this out, what, what, what will be said? You know, what will people say? Where would that leave me? Where would that leave us? You know, 
one way or another, it's going to sooner or later. So sooner the better, eh? And just get a load of grace and gentleness and mercy to come in, get you get you restored, get you get you in a good place. Yeah, you know what? When we when we confess, he's so he's so he's so good, isn't he? He forgives and cleanses, doesn't judge. And at his people, we 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 are to be ambassadors of that same spirit. Some of you embrace some risk. Some of you. you Everything is, or God's going to do that then in the future. There's the now thing you've got to engage with. Others, maybe there's just some stuff that you've got to mourn about in order for the Lord to really unlock you. You've just closed down on stuff. You've not really grieved where you should have done and you closed down. And as a result, there's a superficiality creeping in. Others of you, just whatever's required of you, you know the Lord's saying something and it's time to just say, all right, Lord, I don't need prayer. I'm going to just do it. (laughs) You know, it's not about getting prayer. It's about making a decision. Some of us just getting involved in the mess. So let's just lift our hearts and hands to the Lord, shall we? And just begin to talk to the Lord about, about what, what, whichever one of those you feel like you want to just bring to him. Just start, do business. Do business with God. If we all, if we all, it's something about speaking it out. The Bible says, I believed before I spoke. As we speak it, kind of something is completed in terms of what's going on in our hearts. So why don't we all lift our voices and don't worry too much about what the person next to you is saying and then we can all get on with it. And just tell the Lord, tell the Lord, tell the Lord what you, what, what's been stirred, what's, been, what's grabbed you, what's, what's, what you feel he's doing, what needs to happen. Pour out your heart. He so loves to hear our heart, you know, to hear what's really going on. We haven't got to pretend or use different language. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just want to be honest with you. I just want to be, we need your help, Lord. We need your help, Lord. Oh, we need your help. We need your help, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We really do. We really welcome you so much. We love you. We really love you, Lord. We really do. We love what you do. We love it. We love that you speak. Such clarity comes when you speak. We thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you for your patience towards us. We really love you. We love your ministry among us. We love it that you reveal Jesus to us in such beautiful ways. We we love it, Lord. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit. We work, keep, Lord, we want to be soaking in you over these days. Really, really soaking in you. Not just having a kind of like a little dip, but really just saying, Lord, Lord, our eyes are on you. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I feel it would be great if we could just sing a song of devotion to the Lord. Just to, just, I know we know that people need to start practicing and sound checking and that in here in a few minutes. We don't want to take liberties in that way, but we do want to, it's just good to, Maybe it would be good to end this session just by expressing our love for the Lord, eh? expressing our love for the King and our fresh trust in Him, our need for Him. Just let Him know. Let Him just feel the Lord really wants to soften our hearts in a really big way. You know, over these days, soften, soften, soften that we 
we are resilient on the outside, but that we're soft, soft people on the inside. Thank you, Lord.